Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. We are at the end of October, October the 29th, 2020. Happy Halloween coming up. Uh, actually, it just uh, you know, it feels like we finished up with a couple of sports, so things will, will die down a little bit. No, not really at all, Mike, because football keeps rolling on. Uh, college football keeps rolling on. Next week, we're going to have an election on Tuesday, and then I'm, I'm already looking at uh, the Breeders' Cup pre-entries for next weekend. So uh, in the, the world of, of sports and this you know, I guess uh, politics is uh, sort of a sport. Uh, the show must go on, Mike. Indeed, uh, I know, right? It just, it just, yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. Can't stop, won't stop. That's a line from Rick Saratella. That's our boy. But uh, right yeah, here. happy Halloween to you, buddy. Oh, I love. You know Halloween. the cool thing about I Halloween love this year. Halloween. Yeah, yeah. If I'm anybody's big, going fan, out this year, everything. you're already in your masks already, so you're already a step <laughs> exactly. ahead. Exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, that's good the stuff scary there. Movies, man. Big into all that stuff. I'm trying to find all the good old ones I can on all the streaming services. But uh, and man, I'm 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 pumped. I guess a little confu- like. It's sort of, it's not going to take, it doesn't take away from uh, the excitement that I had with the Dodgers winning, but with the stuff that happened with Justin Turner after, just sort of a bummer that that becomes the conversation um, with everything that went down with him coming back on the, you know, on the field and stuff. So I'm sure we'll talk about that. We'll get through our week eight. Can you believe we're going, we're in week eight already in the NFL? It's really unbelievable. This year is flying by. This season is flying by. We have quarterback changes already, and we'll talk about that in a moment here. But, yeah, I mean, it's really, really zipped by. And uh, we'll obviously talk a lot of Dodgers and Rays um, in the second half of the show. You know, congrats to you, not only as a Dodger fan, but you accurately predicted the matchup before the season started. Yeah. Dodgers versus Rays. Very good race. the team. winner. So yep. congratulations to you on uh, both ends of the spectrum. And I think this show, by the way, has called multiple um, World Series matchups and winners in the last two out of the last three years. Three years, I think, exactly. We, the, I mean, we've been pretty much dead on. You were dead on with all the rounds leading up to the playoffs. You picked a couple of the really fun upsets in the, uh, leading up to the World Series. You had the Marlins winning their matchup. You had the Astros winning their matchup. Um, I think you had you had one other too. So you, you did great along the way. Um, and I uh, I had the, the two to get there. And yeah, I mean, obviously very excited as a Dodger fan, but plenty of respect for the Rays. That's a very good baseball team. Really a lot of respect for the last three teams the Dodgers played, I think, were, are all really good baseball teams. They, they played a Brewers team in the first round that just sort of snuck in, so they probably wouldn't have been a playoff team any other year. But the Padres, legitimate good team for years to come. They were missing a, a you know a pitcher or two, but they were still probably a year away. Um, the Braves, excellent team. Another another team that was pro- was missing you know a pitcher or two, but they they could very easily have been in the World Series and won the World Series, and then a Tampa team that we've seen you know play money ball for a while. You know, I honestly think that the that the Dodgers beat the three best teams in baseball. They might have, including yeah. with the the Rays, who are maybe one of the better all around teams. And you know who knows a lot about the Rays is our uh, first guest from the Athletic, Josh Tolentino, because he used to be the beat writer for the Rays for the Athletic, and uh, he's been fortunate enough to be able to 
enjoy one sport that he loves and go to another one and cover the Dolphins. And they've made some news during the bye week leading up to this weekend. Josh, you're on with Mike and Gino. How are you, buddy? Mike, Gino, man, you you call last week a bye week for the Dolphins. Man, I, I don't think it was a bye week. It was the busiest bye week I've ever had, uh, you know, in the media. And also, really, with two and the players, I mean, they, they really didn't enjoy a bye week. And they spent basically two weeks preparing for the Rams this Sunday. And then, you know, you mentioned the World Series. So it was just an incredibly busy week for everyone Yeah, and I don't know where we want to start. We want to get to everything. And we know you're limited in time. So since you started talking about the Tua uh, quarterbacks, which let's let's start there. So a team that's probably playing their best football of the year, winning a couple in a row, and Gino and I always talk about it, in football, winning two in a row is a big deal. It's maybe like a 20-game winning streak in baseball. I don't know how, the equivalency necessarily, but winning two games in a row in the NFL is important. Uh, that's what playoff teams do is put together winning streaks. Timing-wise, and Fitz has been playing pretty good football. Why now, Josh? Yeah, Mike, it's such an interesting decision. And from everybody that I've talked to around the organization and, and really across the league, uh, it was kind of unison uh, of the decision that, you know, not only is it the bye week, so Tua, who, who everyone phrases as just a master at the game regarding his maturity and preparation. So that fit well with him getting the extra days to prepare for a pretty tough opponent in the Rams. You know, that's a pretty stacked defense with Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, I mean, it's, it's not just those two. I mean, it's a, a pretty good defensive front there that he's going to be up against starting in his first by fire. on Sunday. Yep, yep, exactly. And But, again, I think it's more so what the season, the, where the season is at, rather. They've got 10 games left, which is going to be a pretty strong sample size. And those are words that have been told to me by people across the organization that, this is a sample size that they're going to see. Not only do they get to see what they get with Tua in these final 10 games of the season, he's in a spot to, to be competitive, to compete for a playoff spot, but also mainly just see what they have with his development. And also, we got to remember, guys, this is a Dolphins team. They've got a ton of picks heading into this year's draft. They've got Houston's first and second round pick. Houston right now, they only, they've only got one win. So uh, they've got a lot of decisions to make and how they're going to handle those picks and, and where they'll need to be building around Tua moving forward. So 10 games gives them, a, a large, again, a large enough sample size to know what to do heading into the offseason. Overall, what do you what do you get a sense of of the mood of the locker room w- with this move? Because this is something that I mean, we've seen that Flores has been a very good coach. What he did with that team last year, uh, from the beginning of the year, kind of you know got rid of some of the veterans that maybe wanted to go elsewhere, and that team really overachieved. And this year, it seems like again they're 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 well prepared, they're well coached, they they buy in. This is a kind of a move that could be a huge move if it doesn't work out as a negative for him. What kind of a sense do you get overall talking to some of the players? Is it like a 50-50 that wanted Tua in or that were, were with Fitz or a lot of the guys, you know, thinking, ah, you know, I, you know, bummed out because they took out the veteran? Yeah, you know, there, there's two levels to this issue. So I'll start with the first. Last week when everybody found out, well, it, it didn't get out the, the best way that Flo, and when I say Flo, I'm, I'm referencing Coach Brian Flores, 
how he wanted to. It actually got leaked, obviously, through the media and confirmed by everyone who covers the team. Ideally, I think Flo would have wanted to get through the week or at least a few more days to the point where he has a team meeting and announces that Chu is taking over this the starter. So a lot of the players, uh, you know, veteran guys on that team, they found out the same way that we all found out, basically through social media and Twitter, that Tua was taken over. Uh, so from that perspective, uh, it kind of got off to a rough start. And then again, you mentioned last year's record and, and really how they overachieved last year. This is a Dolphins team. They were getting spanked in, in really every game at the beginning of last season. And you talk about rallying around guys. There was no one more that this team rallied around but besides uh, Fitzpatrick. I mean, he was able to get his team to fight for five wins at the end of the season last year. And, uh, you know, he really just commanded the, the team to rally behind him. And that's the type of player he is. And I think anyone you talk to in the league at a scout, coach, player level, uh, they all have the similar or same things to say about Ryan Fitzpatrick and his leadership. He's in 16th year in the NFL. I mean, there's just so many good things to say. But then you look at the other side, who's coming in, too. He's one of the most successful quarterbacks in NCAA history there at Alabama. I mean, his touchdown to interception ratio is just insane. Uh, so the talent is there. And you know what, guys? In every conversation I've had with players this week, yeah, they're, they're, they're sad that their buddy Fitz is going to step back into this backup role. But I think the excitement, it's just been an overwhelming feeling that two is going to be back there. It's literally every person you talk to on the team they're they, they express their excitement and they talk about how mature and confident he is heading into this game against the Rams. You know, on that note, Tua has a little bit of a different throwing style than Fitzpatrick. I think that's kind of uh, an understatement. The, the ball coming off his hands and uh, the, the the side that it's coming from, yeah, et cetera. Just lefty in Any general. Any issues for the yeah. receivers? Yeah, I really like this yesterday on the on the athletic. I mean, obviously, he's going to be the first left-handed quarterback, left-handed quarterback to start a game since 2015. That's five years ago. Uh, and the first left-handed rookie in almost a decade since Tim Tebow. So left-handed quarterbacks, they're pretty rare. And we asked Flo about that this morning of why he thinks they're so rare. And he really had no answer, but obviously – it's dominated by, you know, the right-handed quarterbacks across the sport and really every year that you look at. So the receivers, I think it, it will take time to adjust about how that ball is coming to them from the angles you guys mentioned. But don't get, me, don't get this whole thing wrong. You know, I've watched Fitz and I've watched Tua over the past three, four months, beginning in training camp. And, you know, when, the, when they first got here down to South Florida – the ball comes out of two of his hands a lot quicker than it does with Fitz. Like the velocity and just the overall spin, I mean, it's really not comparable. I mean, Tua is just way more athletic, and he adds a, another dynamic to the offense that I think Dolphin, Dolphins fans will be able to enjoy uh, again over these next 10 games with Tua. We're talking to Josh Tolentino from The Athletic. Many Dolphins fans who listen have requested Josh, and more information about this move to Tua, especially West Coasters who don't necessarily get all the information from the local radio shows and the papers, but that's why we bring it to you as a nationwide show. Josh, you alluded to something, and I want to go back to it for a quick sec. Because of the ability maneuvering around the trades and acquiring draft picks, etc., are you kind of suggesting that it's a possibility 
Now, let's just say, hypothetically, if Tua totally bombed could, and, and, and the Texans gave them a gift of the first overall pick, let's just say, could they be in play for a Lawrence? I mean, would they go Arizona Cardinals <laughs> on us? You know, you know, guys, after they lost their first two games, that was a discussion we had across the, the beat and, and, you know, people who cover the team regularly. Is it like tank for, for Lawrence time if two is not, you know, it turns out to be, again, like what you referenced, a bomb. I think it's trending in the other direction. I think there's just way too much excitement across the entire region, across the entire, really, the Dolphins fans have been starved of good quarterback play for more than two decades since Dan Marino. So, I mean, Tua's presence here, it's more than just quarterback play, and obviously it's going to come down to that. But there's just so much hype around him. I think everyone's all in on on Tua and that if they were to, you know, the Texans were to, to continue to fail throughout the season and get one of those higher picks, I mean, you got to consider it if it's the number one, but I, I don't think it'll be that bad. Yeah, it's just nice to have the option and and know that it, you know, you could make some moves. You're just they're they're in such great shape moving forward, and as long as like as my Mike said, bomb. Like as long as this doesn't bomb and he doesn't just he's not just completely not ready or shell shocked or maybe physically like if if he's just fine the the upside with this team moving forward with for the first time in a long time feeling like you've got the guy as a coach feeling like you'd have the guy as a you know as a franchise quarterback feeling like you've got you know the some of the guys up in front of him some of the the rookies on the offensive line that are going to be able to grow with him it's it's and then even you know, I, I imagine that the the organization and the franchise, you know, when they look around the division right now and they go, oh, "Wow, the Patriots aren't really the the Patriots right now," and the Jets, we know about Adam Gase, they're in some trouble, <laughs> you know. Like th- this division, the the landscape has changed quite a bit now. Th- this is like got to be a really great time, like you said. So the the hype and the excitement. I'm not a Miami Dolphins fan, but I look at this team and I can't imagine not being very excited if you were a fan of them. Yeah, Gino, it was hard to tame a lot of fans' expectations at the beginning of the year. Because you got to remember, this is a team that's only in the second year of their rebuild. This is just mm-hmm. uh, Brian Flores' second year as coach. And they've come a long way. Obviously, they spent a lot of money in free agency. And then it wasn't just two of they got in the draft. I mean, they've got, they got several first-rounders. They, they got three offensive linemen, including two rookies on Tua's blind side. You know, if they hit on either of those or both of those, it, it turns out to be a great success moving forward. It's not just Tua. So, again, they are in a great position moving forward with the draft, with all those picks, especially early on. Um, But I think it's really going to see come down to, you know, what can Tua give us these last 10 games, both from a competitive standpoint, but also understanding how they can build around them. You know, they've got some good receivers. They've got Devontae Parker, obviously, their number one. Preston Williams, their number two. And Mike Kosicki, big tight end target. Uh, besides that, there's a lot of unproven talent. So, you know, do they go out and spend one of those picks on a receiver? Do they trade for a receiver? I mean, it's remained to be seen, but they're definitely in a good position uh, heading into the winter. You know, they could probably, they probably know deep down that they could win some games with Fitz. He could probably put them in a position to uh, compete for a playoff spot or maybe even win the division. Who knows? With the NFL nowadays, you have a lot of last to first movement. Uh, what does Tua have to do to be a success? In other words, if we already know that Fitz can win with this team and they probably, you know, would, I don't know, maybe 
uh, be on path to go nine and seven. Let's just say, does Tua also just have to win and get to nine and seven, or does it have to be they're winning because of him? 300 yards a game, maybe even a couple of first down scampers and touchdown runs, exciting brand of football. Like, what are the expectations going to be like? Because this is, like I said, already a solid team. Yeah, and you mentioned the record there, around nine wins. With Tua in there, I really don't think their ceiling changes much in terms of expectations of win prediction, win total. I think nine, eight wins was basically the the high end of what you could expect from this Dolphins team this season, no matter who was the quarterback. I mean, that's pretty much what they're capable of. They're definitely a few pieces away from building into that 10, 11 win range. But you talk about Tua and the expectations for what he's going to bring. To be honest, guys, I mean, I've seen him in practice almost every day since the, the past few months. It's, I think Dolphins fans and really NFL fans, they're in for a surprise. I've seen him make so many throws that you just, those wow moments and obviously it's practice and practice is way different from game situations especially with Tua coming off the injury I think expectations have to be tamed early on before he reaches that one year mark following that hip injury that ended his final season in Alabama again that was a really scary career-threatening type injury that he's you know to his credit been able to come back and rehab successfully from so I think once you hit that year mark later in November is what we're really going to see out of Tua and what he's capable of in terms of his physicality on the field, his athleticism, and also his ability to, you know, make all the throws. Because that's really right there, that statement. He make, he can make all the throws. I've seen him do it all in practice. So now it's just time for him to, to debut and put it all out on the field against the Rams on Sunday. Okay, so before we get a, a word from you about the Rays and let you go right at the commercial break here, I have a very important question for you. Do I start Jimmy Garoppolo this weekend or Tua? Because I, I picked up Tua during the bye week just in case he came on and you said that he's looking really, really good, that I can maybe have that sleeper underdog guy going for me this week in an important week eight matchup. You know, Mike, it's so tough because it, it, it's starting, I mean, he, you can't say he's making his debut because he debuted actually last or two weeks ago against the Jets in garbage yep. time. So this isn't his mm-hmm. official NFL debut. But, man, he can make all the throws, I'm telling you. Like, go route to Devontae Parker, the short ones to Jakeem Grant. And, you know, I think they're going to get creative a little bit with pistol, shotgun, wildcat, obviously. Uh, so you mentioned 300 yards. That's kind of my benchmark of, of you know, not just success, but I think – I have 300 circled for this weekend. I mean, if you want 250, 300 yards, I'd put two in there. Okay, uh, Gino, that sounds sounds like a nice game one to me. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna make a I'm a Rams fan. I'm gonna play the the Dolphins this week at plus three and a half, plus four. I think the numbers are still out there. It if you know take Donald out of the equation, which you can't do. Um, I'm looking at it as a really good spot for the Rams coming off the bye with, or for the Dolphins with, you know, coming off the bye with the Rams on the short week. They're coming off of the big win that everybody saw on Monday Night Football. That's generally the best time to bet against a team like that. And I think, you know, Tua is such a wild card, such an X factor. If he is really, really good, 
we may not get be getting points like that with him, at, you know, in situations like that where he's at home. Take uh, it while you very, can, very right? Often. Take it exactly. while you can. So I know that you covered the Rays. Yeah, and then the Rams also, on, they're on that short week. They played Monday yeah. night. Andrew Whitworth said today that, you know, they've got to travel 3,000 miles across the country on short rest. So. A- I mean, there's a lot already this year. They've gone Great back points. and forth yeah. to the, the Meadowlands a few different times, so they've had a ton of travel. So, as someone who covered the Rays, um, probably some mixed emotions for you. Uh, just an amazing year um, for them. But it's funny, you know, one of the things that everybody's talking about is is how they remove Blake Snell in Game Six when he's rolling along. Um, it's something that you know. I guess if you're the Rays, you you live by the analytics that get you there. You got to die by them. Yeah, and I actually had that as a prediction, and I know many people might not say that that's an out-of-the-box prediction, the one seed versus the one seed, but to be honest, I mean, a lot of people weren't favoring the Rays going into the postseason despite them being the one seed. Mm-hmm. I remember yeah. them being the their series against the Yankees, specifically, that the Yankees were definitely the favorites over them in that, in that series, but you mentioned just how it went and the whole Blake Snell decision actually I'll tell you what guys I have a pretty good relationship with him for my time there you know spent obviously almost two seasons with that team but one of his brothers and actually his dad called me as Blake was walking off the mound with some expletives you know they were definitely oh, not wow. happy and oh, wow. um you know it was it was pretty amazing to get that instant reaction as literally he was leaving on the field and Nick Anderson was coming in from the bullpen that, you know, before all that mess unraveled on the field, they, they had a 1-0 lead. I think everyone knows it went to 2-1, and obviously the Dodgers won. But a lot of emotion involved for that team. And um, But, you know, they're in a good spot moving forward. I, again, kind of like the Dolphins, the Rays are in such a better position, obviously, com- coming off the World Series. But they've got, a, they've got the number one prospect in baseball. They've got a bunch of pitching prospects on the rise. Really one of the best farm systems in the league. It's only really looking up for the Rays. Good stuff, man. Really appreciate you coming on, sharing your insight from an insider inside the Dolphins locker room, or as close as you could get in a pandemic setting, I suppose. Josh, how can our listeners follow you through social media and whatnot? Yeah, Mike, obviously my work is on the athletic.com. And you know what? You mentioned past beat writer for for the Rays. I actually, you know, worked a few stories throughout the postseason, so was able to handle that beat as well. You'll see that work on the Athletic, and also on social media. You know, at JCT Sports. But Mike, before we go, I gotta I gotta ask you: Did you have the Dodgers winning at all? I had the A's and Dodgers as my World Series matchup. And I don't remember who I had winning, Gino. Do you? I think I, think I had the A's. I think, yeah, I think. Or wait, I, well, actually, you know, I think I had the Dodgers. I think I said this the, is going to be the year the, they do the, it. The preview before the playoffs, you definitely picked the Dodgers. I think yes. at the beginning of the year, you might have picked the A's and then changed when you saw and just said, I think that, I think he was just at the point where he was, which is funny, not that he's ever been against the Dodgers, but he just said, I think the Dodgers are just too good this year. So, um, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, I that's think the so. That now, I don't know if you were, uh, were listening at the top of the show, but Gino nailed it. Gino had, kind of like you said, the one seeds, but hey, it, we all know it doesn't always happen that way. I know Gino doesn't, he's kind of more of a medium sort of long shot guy anyways, and not so much the chalk guy. So he nailed the matchup and the winner. Sounds like you did as well, Josh. So kudos to both not of you. Not the winner, though. And I actually, I actually lost a bet with a friend. She lives out in L.A. Katrina is probably listening now. Um, but <laughs> hey, but hey, yeah, Katrina. man, it, it, was, it was a great series. The, the Dodgers, the Rays. 
I mean, you, you really couldn't dial up any more storylines in terms of payroll and just really the competitiveness of that game. That Randy Orozarena coming in, that, that Brett Phillips hit, it doesn't get much better than that. No, it was just unbelievable. Kershaw can kind of expel his demons, and same thing for Roberts and this group of the Dodgers and the Rays feel like they're going to be a group that's going to be around for a while. We all know who Randy is now. Seager was incredible. There was just a there was just a lot, and it was you know it was good to. Um, I mean, it was it was something we needed, right? Unfortunately, what happened with Turner at the end, but I, I think up until then, ML Baseball did a really good job getting here, and I, I applaud them for doing so. And, and man, thank you so much for your time. I, I love uh, when we have someone on that we can talk about so many different things with. We could just roll right from football into baseball and back and forth. Thanks, Josh. Gino, Mike, of course. You know, you got the the Chargers are actually coming into town. It's crazy. The the Rams or the Dolphins rather play both LA teams this season, but both games are. In Miami, so you know I'm sure we'll be talking in a couple of weeks. Yeah, we'll have to check in with you again, man. Definitely appreciate it. That is Josh Tolentino with the Athletic. Hey, I'm a subscriber. I love the Athletic. I Thank recommend you. that you guys check it out. There's always good promo codes. I can always get one from any of the many talented writers and beat writers that we talk to on this show on a regular basis for promo codes. Check them out. Check him out. It's good stuff. Stuff that you're not going to get on ESPN. We are very late for our first commercial break. Stay with us. We'll come back and talk more about the World Series, the NFL, and beyond. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession, profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you? It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific. For Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to Mike at the MikeAbadirShow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Thanks to Josh uh, talking to everything about the Miami Dolphins, Tampa Rays, lots of good discussion with him. And um, yeah, I mean, the Rays are the Rays are good. They're going to be around for a while and they have a good young core and they have their their top three pitching. This is this was sort of my issue with why I 
I can't really believe they. I guess I can believe it, but I wouldn't have taken Snell out in that situation. Is that when you're a team like the Oakland A's in general, and, and the whole Moneyball concept of of you know trying to find some maybe some market inefficiencies that are out there, and and find some things that that you know are more than just what everybody else is looking at. When you don't have the money or the talent, I'm fine. I, I'm completely fine with that. That's a great approach. When you have the talent, though. You have to kind of use the talent because, I mean, you have a th- a top three starting pitchers. Glass now struggled a little bit in this series, but their three at the top of the starting rotation are as good and as comparable as any team's three. And, and so, I, I don't I, I don't like taking out Blake there and going to a, a Nick Anderson who struggled. You know, you're not you're not even going to someone who has been completely locked down. He had given up runs, I think, in the six previous outings that he had been in, given up a run. Um, I can tell you that as a Dodger fan, when they took Snell out of the game, I went, "Are you serious?" Oh, not just the, not Are just you, you as a Dodger fan. The whole Dodger Mookie team turned to <laughs> to his manager Dave Roberts and gave him a sneaky little smile, like "Game on, we're Cody. we're ready to do this. We're going to make it happen." Cody Look, man. Was- the problem is this. You couldn't believe it. They were all no, talking to each other. No, we couldn't, they, couldn't they believe said, it. Are you kidding me? They couldn't hit the guy. He had his good stuff going. And my issue with it is this. You were only 73 pitches deep. Yeah. You know, I could see when it's like 98. Just like through through 110 pitches twice. It, does, it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me at all. Look, analytics are really good over 162. In any one game, check that. In the most important game, I think analytics is out the window and you just go back to being a manager. And, and, and here's the thing, like, right? The way you set your lineup, the way you're not changing the way you're shifting, you're not changing the way. Those are all analytics things that they have an advantage on. We're just saying with one of the decisions, the, the one thing that they say is, okay, we don't go three times through the lineup with any of them. Okay, sure. I understand that. But when you're looking at what what every your other options are right now, you didn't have the Nick Anderson that you had most of the year. You didn't have the Fa- the Fairbanks that you had most of the year. You didn't have the Sia that you had most of the. All of those bullpen options got touched up by the Dodgers. None of them were better than what Blake was giving you at the time. I just just and, and remember now this was, the game was still one nothing. It, and, and it felt like it was more like 5 nothing because they were not, you know, touching Blake. But he could have remained in and given up the, the hit to Mookie, and this would have been a moot point, right? You know, it, it wouldn't have mattered. But the fact is... Yeah, but, you know, nobody would have been like, he had 73 pitches. How come he didn't get him out of the game? No, and nobody would have said, nobody, and even if he did give up the hit to Mookie and he gave up another hit to Seager and he's down 2-1, nobody's even going to say he pitched poorly. No, because he was rolling up until then, and nobody's going to second guess you for no. not taking him out. Not you at live, all. you live and die with them. You, you really do. And I'm at that point. I am glad that Dave Roberts made some adjustments to the way that he has fundamentally coached. Whether it was Dave Roberts, like I've been beating this drum for a while. I don't know if it's all Dave Roberts. I can't blame what what the Rays did on Cash because they, I know that's a whole big front office, you know, decision. Same thing with Roberts. But what they did this year, multiple times with Julio, when Julio was go- was rolling and you just let him roll, that is not what they would have done last year or two years ago. They would have taken Julio out and put in Kenley 
tried to force Kershaw back on you, even though Kershaw wasn't wouldn't have been ready to go. Instead, they just they made an adjustment and they let the hot hand roll. And that's and honestly, that's the difference between the Dodgers winning the World Series this year and not winning in, in previous years. They didn't Last, do that with Maeda. They, yep, I no, used you're exactly to talk right. about Maeda. Leave him in. Let him roll. Maeda can. You bring someone like Julio into the game late. That guy can go three or four innings, no problem. So you know the last four innings of Game Six. Gonzalez, Gratterall, Urias, Urias, Urias. I don't know how to say it right. Uh, four innings. I think it's Urias. Urias. There you go. Yeah. Four innings. Seven strikeouts. No walks, no runs, one hit. I think they have a bullpen going into 2021. Yeah. I didn't know going into 2020 because of Kenley and stuff like that. Usually you start with the closer, right? Or unless you have like ridiculous middle relief, let's just say like the Brewers or something, right? But usually you start with the closers and kind of work your way back to the starter. Uh, I, I think the Dodgers are in good shape, man. I mean, and as someone I, who, what I saw from Gonzalez, Gratterall, and, and Urias was phenomenal. I saw a stat, too, that said every pitcher that started for the Dodgers in the playoffs is a pitcher that has only been with the Dodgers for their whole career. So, Interesting stat. How crazy is that? Kershaw, Bueller, Gonsolin, May, and Urias. Interesting. They've never, they've never been with any other team. And what's crazy is, like, so take Kershaw out of that equation— you might have those next four for ten more years. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. that could Which be. It's kind your... of funny, by the way, too, because you know a lot of people lump the Dodgers with the Yankees uh, and the Red Sox as as free wheeling, dealing, spending kind of teams. You buy a World Series, and th- this kind of disproves that. I always thought it was a little bit funny because I thought that the Red Sox best players, you know, like Xander and Mookie and and Jackie Bradley Jr. and so on and so forth. We're all homegrown guys, and we're their best players. Yeah, you pick up a sale here and there. Yeah, if you're the Dodgers, you pick up a bets here and there. But for the most part, and the Yankees, too, give them credit also with their big sluggers and stuff. Sure, they brought the MVP of the NL over a couple years ago. But for the most part, I think the formula is you have to have a good farm system. Absolutely. You don't have a good farm system. It's very hard to win. Rays are a great Same. example of a great farm system as well, and smart trades, like for Austin Meadows, etc., and maybe – the best trade of all that probably went completely under the radar is who is Randy Rosarena, Ar- right? How, where did he come from? How did he just channel his Babe Ruth in this postseason at the magnitude incredible. he did? He was ridiculous. And, and if we don't you know see who he was traded for, Gino. I can't believe this, by the way. One of uh, our, our, I think it's a co-follower on Twitter, a horse racing guy, w- was almost like questioning me, saying, who knows if the, he's like, there's a really good prospect that he was traded for. I don't know. You know, he was kind of like basically saying like, no, they didn't get the better end of the deal. Uh, although, you know, you can't really say that from one postseason. But I mean, hey, what I saw from him was unstoppable well, force. No, That's he, what I, I mean, saw. He, you, I, you, they don't make the World Series without him. They were no. terrible. I mean, their offense was horrible no. in the in the uh, the championship series in the ALCS against the Astros, and they they relied on their pitching, and they just needed one or two guys to carry them, and that was him. And he carried them, and maybe he comes back next year, and maybe he never bottles what he just had right there. It was worth it. It was worth it. 
to get you to the World Series and to have For an sure. opportunity to win. He he broke how many records? He had 10 home runs, 11 home runs. I mean, he was breaking every record, total bases record. Just insane. Someone who we 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 didn't even know, most people didn't even know his name, even like real like real hardcore baseball people. So Of course. This this guy wasn't in, in, incredible and it just felt like the Rays were probably like one or two hitters away, like one one more guy getting getting hot and and being able to help them produce because that was what ended up what happening with the Dodgers is we knew that when you get in these long series with the Dodgers, the, the more you play them, the more likelihood it is. It's more likely that you're not going to keep them down throughout a series when they've got everyone. And then we saw that it was Seager throughout and then it would be Mookie here and there. And then he would go quiet for a few games. And then Turner was really good. And then Bellinger would pop up with a big hero there. Muncie was just getting on base over and over. So they're so deep and, and so talented. It just, for the first time, Mike, it finally, it, it, they just were able to kind of wear everybody down with, with the depth. It it really came down to it. Cause this year, they had a little bit more in the bullpen, and and you were someone who, I I believe you guys had Gratterall right in the trade, and then they they backed out of it because he had some some medical stuff, and you ended up getting another prospect that it ended up might might end up working out better for you in the in the long run. But hey, I mean, just from looking at this guy now, he, he it's so nice for him to be this young and already have the experience that he just had. I mean, he was. Pitching big games in in like a, the most high leverage outs in the World Series. Yeah, no doubt, man. And yeah, the Red Sox, uh, you know, they they said no, no on it, and um, they rejected it. Their doctors wouldn't clear him. You got and, Jeter uh, Downs, right? Is that the one you got back? Correct. Yeah. So we'll see if that really ends up working too. out better. So it, you know, and and if you know, if in if you're like the Red Sox, you obviously you would have taken Gratterall, but you needed a little bit more. Right, he he's a greater a better fit for the Dodgers because the Dodgers could use some bullpen arms like him. They don't necessarily need another player because they don't really have room to play them. <laughs> they're they're pretty deep as far as their starting lineup and and what they have for the next few years. So it might have been a better fit for both teams. But I mean, as you said, this guy feels like he's the closer of the future. Yeah, uh, no doubt about that. I think they did they did really well. And as uh, we're about to head into the second commercial break, you know, uh, how about how about this for Boston, which has really been a a championship city of uh, a, in a gluttonous way between you know all their sports, even down to the Bruins and hockey and stuff. The 2000s have been very, very kind to the city of Boston, but uh, they can't be too thrilled seeing B and B elsewhere winning games, and that's Brady and Betts. Betts was so fun to watch this postseason on the defensive side of things. Aside from his base running prowess, aside from his hitting, aside from his key home runs, just what he did in the outfield was a thing of beauty. It was, he, he's a weapon. It, it's, it's rare that you say that somebody is, is a weapon uh, defensively, but he really is. He's a weapon because he'll take a run and make a run just as fast within, you know, top of the inning, bottom of the inning. Rob you here. Save your runs, get on first, steal second, get to home somehow, some way, and with a blink of an eye. Unbelievable! Just, just so worth every penny. And I mean, I'm just, I'm ecstatic for the Dodgers. I think I mentioned this earlier. You know, if at some point, we'll take we'll take a break uh, in just a second. And then, 
you, you never want to say it, but I, I really think that now that they got one and kind of got over the hump, I would not be shocked if they won like three out of the next four. I mean, you just look at how good this team is. If they're able to re-sign Seager, um, and if they don't re-sign Seager, they're going to be able to take that money and, and use it on somebody else to fill that spot. So um, they're just in, in, in incredible shape moving forward, a team that's going to be led by Mookie Betts for the next decade. Yeah, you know, I always, uh, you know, poo-poo on these, these long-term deals. You know, this one's interesting, and uh, we'll, you know, we'll see. I, think, I, I guess it kind of depends on what the expectations are. How many the, have to be won? I mean, let's just say he kind of pulls a poo holes, you know, and five years in, he's pretty much, you know, kind of done physically. Or kind of on the downhill decline. Replacement level. But let's just say they win three World Series in total, so two more. Would that be worth the four hundred? Dave Dave Roberts made a really good point, and I and I agree in this point. And he said, "What Mookie do, is going to do for players that aren't even in the Dodger organization right now is going to be worth it." In in five years, when somebody comes in as a Dodger and they learn from him, they see his work ethic, the way he he goes about being a pro, the way he handles himself, no drama, no. Trashed. I mean, no. I mean, just a. a he's out there, and everybody likes him. You, you see, he gets on first. He gets on second. He's joking with everybody. They all like this guy. I think his presence for years in the Dodger organization, he will sort of take the mantle from Kershaw. How Kershaw has been like the leader of this, and you never hear a bad word about Kershaw. And now, as as his career winds down, Mookie will be that guy for the next decade to lead the Dodgers and to to be the leader for the kids that come in. I thought that was a great point that that Dave said. He said these kids that that we don't even know yet are going to be learning from him. Great point. I think that Southern California is very lucky to have probably the two best players in baseball in Trout and Betts, and both are really, really good guys. Haven't heard a bad thing about either of them. We're late for the final commercial break. We'll be back, talk some NFL, make some predictions, and uh, talk a little, maybe a minute on boxing because of what just came out revolving around Mike Tyson. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety channel find out what's happening on the voice america talk radio network by keeping up with us on twitter you can find us at voice america trn streaming live the leader in internet talk radio VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to the Mike Abadir Show. Final segment here, Mike and Gino. 
Once again, big thank you to Josh Tolentino for joining us. He's from The Athletic, did a fine job breaking down the move to Tua and um, also gave us a little um, chime in on the Rays. Uh, I want to just take a really quick second here to uh, talk about the election just for a quick moment. And I'm not going to get political or anything like that. But one thing I was going to say is I really hope uh, in these next few days, you know, there's a lot of tension revolving the election that's coming up. And uh, for good reason. You know, I think there, there's a lot of uh, passion. There's a lot, of, a, lot, a lot on the line. A lot of people are looking at the future of the United States and, and what direction that we want to go in. One thing that I, I'm going to really, really plead with people to do is this, because I don't see enough of it. Respect other people's opinions. If you think Joe Biden's a crook and you don't like him, when when your friend or family member says that they're going to vote for Joe Biden, don't give them a hard time. We've One of the most valuable rights that we have as Americans is the right to vote. So to just crush on somebody for who they're going to vote for, it just doesn't make sense for me. And realistically, calling somebody an a-hole because they're voting for so-and-so isn't going to go a long way into helping them change their position. Uh, similarly, on the flip side, I wasn't trying to you know, say that one side does it to the other side. Same thing. If you have a friend or family member that's going to vote for Trump, same thing. Just respect their position. I ask everyone to do that now because... I think things could get a little bit ugly on Tuesday. They're going to get so, ugly. It's going to get yeah, ugly. So I way. just hope that people just respect each other's positions. I'm 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 the type of person. It doesn't matter to me who somebody else votes for. I will never ever come down on somebody because we don't know that person's reasons, you know. And we heard some surprise kind of admissions even just in the last hour. Uh, Little Wayne came out and took a photo with Trump and he was, uh, you know, giving uh, him some, some accolades and thanking him. And he just met with him and, and, and sent out that tweet. I'm sure that there's going to be a ton of hate attached to that one. And we saw yeah. a couple other famous people in the weeks before, but my point is when you actually look at some of these guys' reasons, one guy's for taxes. I think he kind of walked it back a little bit, but little Wayne is because of criminal reform. Uh, ice cube is because he's brought to the table, uh, something relating to, um, you know, just a, a, a plan that he wants examined and rolled out that could help the black community. Each person ha- has has the reason. So, like I said, even if you're a huge, you know, if some if you have a fam- friend or family member that's a huge Biden supporter and you think that that's absolutely ridiculous, just respect it. Let's have a peaceful election period and uh, and respect whatever happens thereafter. That's that's my two minute little uh take on 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 the election coming up yeah i just i just yeah i'm not gonna say much i just don't there's history will uh will tell what happens you know we'll we'll know down the line how how things happen i just wouldn't want to be on the wrong side of uh of of being very supportive of uh of someone who may go down in history as being uh not not the best person so um uh I, i I will move on to the NFL because we don't want to talk politics with the last 10 minutes that we've got. But I do want to talk about the NFL, Mike, because we are in week eight. And one thing that is going to happen this week, whether you're playing fantasy, you're gambling, anything, there is going to be huge weather factors in at least three or four of these games. So you have to be very careful about what you're playing, players that you're using, and you really have to check everything come Sunday morning. Because, I mean, I'm looking... Packers Vikings this thing has the high of 37 degrees with winds up to 40 miles an hour 
We're looking at Brown, uh, Browns Raiders Rain and winds up to 40 miles per hour uh, I believe in the Bears game Saints at the Bears There's going to be similar weather conditions So no matter where you play who Do you you're see playing, that field uh, Chiefs and, and, and Broncos? Unbelievable Yeah Unbelievable I was like what? Yeah I didn't I even mean, know that that was coming I hadn't I, I don't really bother to look at the weather reports until the weather gets crazy and we start hearing about it. But, but you're right. You make a great point. You know, I just found out that there was a huge storm in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, you know, so, yeah, you definitely got to look. And obviously some teams play in domes and stuff like that. You guys all know which, uh, which, which teams and which games are going to be held indoors versus not. But that's a great, great point, Gino. So uh, got a couple any, just- any thoughts on, on who, who that might benefit? Yeah, you know, I mean, maybe in power running like, team or I think and, and I think the the underdogs and the running teams too because right I mean you you're you're not going to be able to throw the ball all over the place you would imagine in the Packers Vikings game so if you're the Vikings and you're a seven point underdog and you're getting Dalvin Cook back and Aaron Jones might be a little banged up for the Packers maybe you no know, maybe that game's closer and seven points is a little bit is a lot of points if there's not going to be very many scored you know same thing with the Browns Raiders. It's a vi- there are a couple games this week that I'm really interested in, and that's that's one of them because both of these two teams, I don't think we really know who they are yet. I actually feel like last week might have been one of Baker Makefield's best games ever. Was it against the Bengals? Sure, um, but but he did he kind of for the first time looked like it was him carrying a team to a victory, which is really all we've asked of him to do. You know, can you carry a team once or twice and win a game? He did. Can he build on that momentum now with no Odell? A lot of people say that there's a little less pressure on him with no Odell because he doesn't have to force the ball to him. I think I heard a stat somewhere that said he was 80% completion percentage to everyone that was an Odell Beckham Jr. So that's a fun game I'm interested in. Um, and I think both of those teams are just going to want to run the ball. So you, maybe you don't really see a lot of scoring there. Maybe they both. Well, maybe especially too because, you know, I don't know what it is with uh, Jarvis Landry. He couldn't have got old already. He doesn't seem to be that like, Dominating kind of receiver this no, year. No, he's not. He's he's not nearly as explosive um, either. So, um, and, and remember, they're missing Chubb too. So that that's a fun game. And we got a Raven Steelers game. I mean, most people would probably have those two teams on their top five power rankings list. Um, and that that should be a, a really interesting game. We're going to see Tua coming out. And how about this? The Bills are a four point favorite against the Patriots. This is the. I believe the first time they've been favored by more than w- what was like a point because there were twice there was one in 2014 and one in 2015 when the Bills were at home and it was like a pick 'em you might have been able to get the Bills minus 1 depending on when you played it. They haven't been a favorite like this since 2003 against the Patriots where they were like favored by an actual field goal or more. So there's a lot um of really cool kind of interesting storylines this week. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, I have a quick question for you Gino uh, before we I mean, we're, we're already into our NFL talk, I guess. But did you have any thoughts about the uh, Justin Turner situation that yeah, you wanted I, to mention during the show? Sure. I, I mean, I'm it's very I'm very conflicted because um, as a fan, obviously, I was so, very excited for the Dodgers to win. And we didn't know about the Turner situation until literally right after the game had finished. I'm very excited that they played well. I'm very excited. And I'll get through this quickly in like 30 seconds. I'm just completely disappointed in what Justin Turner did. I've been someone that's been very, very cautious all along with this going, and I, and I have to be. I'm someone who is a cancer survivor. I have a, I have a new kid. Um, I can't 
a lot of people say, you know what, I'm worth, I'm, I'm going to risk it. I can't do that because if I were to catch this, I could possibly die. So I, I look at what Justin Turner did and it was very selfish and I'm, and I'm really upset about it as someone who loves Turner and thinks he's a great guy because Mike, how many people around the world in the last year have had to cancel a party, a birthday, have not, have not been able to see a loved one before they passed away, a graduation, have had to miss a season for themselves. And he thought that he, him needing to have that moment with his team was bigger than everything else. The whole concept completely disappointed me as someone who's a huge Dodger fan. And I hate that that's got to be some of the conversation right now, but it, it should be. He should be suspended in some way, shape, or form. And I don't think he really will because I think MLB is going to make – it's going to be like what, what we've seen with MLB. They don't like to, to go big and suspend someone because it looks bad on them. It reflects poorly on them. So very mixed emotions for me as a Dodger fan. I'm ecstatic that they won. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy that this wasn't like a cheating scandal and that it's got nothing to do with what happened in the game, the results of the game whatsoever. This was just, I, I think, a really bad moment after the game that – um, fingers crossed. It looks like he hasn't infected any other players or anything, but, um, I just, uh, I, I want to hear from him. I want to hear an explanation from him. I, I really do. Yeah. And I'm not sure that the players are necessarily the big concern to be honest with you, Gino, because, no. uh, they, they really wanted him there. I heard some comments from Andrew Friedman and he wanted him there. It sounds like Dave Roberts kind of wanted him there. What I think about the, the ones that I'm kind of a little bit more. You know, people from concerned Fox. with our the fam, family, the children, you know, the 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 wives, the, the, stadium the friends, workers. the people that were yeah, the workers, that kind of thing. If the players wanted it, hey, so be it. And look, I, I've had a, a lot of experience, a lot more experience with COVID than I thought I'd ever have in the last uh, three four months here, including with uh, with a, a scare with a player. And one thing I'll tell you is this: for the most part, Gino, it, it really hasn't been that damaging to athletes. I know Freddie Freeman had a rough time. I know Von Miller had a rough time, but pretty much most others are asymptomatic. Yeah. And, I think and, a lot of them are sleeping on, on, on this as an issue overall. That's the feel I get from talking to agents, uh, to players, etc. And Hey, if they're healthy and have the immune system that it doesn't do anything to them, I get it. But like I said, it's the family members. So I'm going to reserve judgment until we do see. I want if anybody gets infected, does yeah. does a wife get infected? And now she gives it to her father or mother or an elderly person. That's, that's what and I think me. MLB probably has to wait to see because you can't do a lot of light punishment. And then you find out three people died. Yeah, right. I so just, you kind of have to wait, I think. Right. And, yeah. and there's probably no rush on it anyways. No. And, and it just it's 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 unfortunate because I'm yeah, I'm completely against what happened. We only have a few seconds. I'm going to give you my plays for the weekend, Mike, before we go, because we just yep. this, this hour flew by. Colts minus two and a half. I like the Colts. They're at the Lions. They're coming off the bye. The Bengals. I think you can find plus six out there. I think the Bengals have a shot this weekend. It's kind of a, a sneaky game for the Titans in the middle of a tough schedule. And then the Dolphins look for plus four. I'm fine with plus three and a half. It's going to be Tua in a bad spot for the Rams. Yeah, we hope that you hit the over on the uh, Seattle Arizona game that we gave out last week. We don't have any time, so I can't get into my picks. Have a tremendous sports weekend, everyone. Thank you for listening. We'll see you same time, same place next week.
Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.